Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, back at it with a, another edition of the Coaching Chatter Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Back from a long hiatus, I went on spring break and it seemed like I did not come back, which is okay. We're back now. That's the good news. Joining me, uh, I'm your host, Corey Burton. Joining me as always, Kurt Page and Craig Ladd. How you gentlemen doing? Doing great. Just uh, down here in South Alabama at Springwood School as the new athletics director, wearing some new hats and uh, and head football coach. And uh, we're surveying the weather and uh, just excited to get back in coaching chatter. We're about 20 minutes away from Auburn University and looking forward to uh, getting back into the SEC football coaching chatter. Nice. Nice. Craig? Miss seeing you guys on the chatter. That's We've right. all had uh, a lot of things going on. Spring break came in there and other things. So happy to get back going again. And uh, obviously still a lot of t- lot to talk about and a lot to talk about in the future. That's right. That's right. So I uh, wanted to welcome you guys back. I think it's going to be um, a lot of fun to, uh, to get back in it and get back uh, going with the coaching chatter because there's a lot to talk about there's a lot going on in the world of sports in the world of college football Um, sec spring has cranked up so we got some storylines there but i would be remiss if i didn't mention that we were brought to you by betonline.ag guys scs football is is around it's cranking up there's uh there's a lot of good storylines developing there Delaware in the uh in the CAA conference. Uh you got some other uh things going on there. You got the Masters. That's here. Uh if you want to bet on that, I have no idea how to bet on golf, I'll be honest with you, but uh nonetheless, I, I think it's uh pick the winner. Pick the winner. Don't pick the field. <laughs> yeah. So also Major League Baseball, uh that's kicked into full gear. Again, I don't know how the spreads work in, in Major League Baseball. I'm kind of I'm kind of new to this betting game, but head to the website betonline.ag. Use your mobile device. Sign up today. Receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Also brought to you by Soar Athletic Training. We were supposed to have a seven on seven tournament this weekend. Uh, weather was not our friend, and uh, so we we had to uh, we had to go on and uh, get on up out of that tournament. But sore athletic training for all your training needs. Uh, if you are uh, a youth football age or middle school age, it is the training site for you. Quarterbacks, we specialize in quarterback training, but we train all positions as well. So uh, sore athletic training and also. The Keller Williams hometown team. Uh, that's hometown team 615.com. My man Kenny Salas, 
We'll get you rocking and rolling with your realty needs in in the greater Wilson County area. So if you need a house in Lebanon, he'll get you he'll get you set up. He'll get you hooked up with with what you need. He'll find the right he'll find the right fit, and he'll get you in that home that you desire. So lots. Speaking of uh, speaking of homes, we have found a home within the SEC. The SEC spring season has kicked off so we're going to go through the east on this episode we're going to talk about spring storylines what you want to see out of this team moving from the spring to the fall so we're going to start with the sec east champs from a year ago that the florida gators will start there what are we guys what are we looking for with the florida gators dan mullen loses a ton of firepower on the offensive side of the ball and we uh it's it's, it's looking like that team could be prime for a decline. Kurt, what do you think? What are you looking for for the Florida Gators? Well, I, I think whenever you replace whenever you replace a quarterback and probably uh, one of the top five picks and coming up in the draft, the tight end, Kyle, um, I, I think I think it's just going to be a lot of holes to fill. But uh, you know, there's a great it's a great area for recruiting. I'm sure he's done a fantastic job stockpiling those recruits. So it'll be interesting to see how well he does. Craig? Well, I agree with that. You know, you're replacing Kyle Trask, who's arguably one of the top five quarterbacks in Florida football history. And as Kurt Page said, a top five pick in tight end Kyle Pitts, the guy I saw his pro day, unbelievable guy, 6'5", 260, who can move like that and is as fast as he is. And then also two receivers that did really well last year in uh, Kadarius Tony and uh, Trayvon Grimes. So that's a lot to replace on offense, uh, you know, a combined 151 catches and 31 touchdowns. That's a lot of production that Dan Mullins is going to have to replace. And basically he's going to turn to Emory Jones, um, who's had a little bit of experience uh, in his three years, uh, basically 86 passes, passed for 613 yards, rushed for 514. Uh, they're going to be more uh, multidimensional with him. He's more of a runner than, than Trask is. But I think the biggest storyline for Florida is that defense, which was horrid. They gave up 52 to Alabama in the SEC championship game and a double nickel to Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. Ooh, yeah, that was uh, that hurt. I, I think that's one of those things where you got to look at it and say they've got a lot of holes to fill, and they've got a lot of NFL talent to replace. They've got some some answers to to, to get. Is Emory Jones the guy? You know, Dan Mullen has a lot of faith in him. It, it, is he truly the guy? That's that's what I'm looking for there. I mean, they're they're the University of Florida. They're going to find playmakers um, to the level of Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony. I don't know, but they've got to find some sort of run game, which they haven't had since Dan Mullen got there. Uh, maybe they generate that with Emory Jones. I, I I don't know. My prognostication for, and I use big words, uh, for Emory Jones is is not good. Um, I, I think they're definitely going to take a step back, and and they're gonna they're gonna be looking in their rear view at, well, at some of these other teams. Go ahead. Well, I think you're exactly right. I think it's, it's going to be different. It's hard to. It's hard to run the quarterback, and Dan Mullen, I think, has done that in the past, and um, that's going to be hard. The guy's got to be able to throw the football and uh, spread the field. If not, these defenses are just too athletic and too fast that uh, you know they're going to be able to, to shut people down, uh, and then uh, they're not going. Their strength, 
you know, maybe their strength will be maybe the veteran the veteran guys are on the defense this year, you know. Uh, it's kind of a topsy-turner every other year is something different. So maybe Florida will be counting on more experience from their defense and being a better defensive team. But like Craig mentioned earlier, well, they gave up a lot of points last year, didn't they, Craig? And uh, they're going to have to really pick that up because championship defenses is how you win the championships in a great league like the SEC. You know, they gave up 30.8 points per game last year, which was eighth in the SEC, and they were 10th in rushing defense, giving up 170, a little over 170 yards a game. That That is a lot. Not typical of a Florida Florida team that we're used to seeing defensively. And, you know, the guys, there are a lot of questions on that offensive line, which, quite frankly, was not very good last year. No, they're, they're not. And, and they've got some holes to fill there as well. So, what are they going to do offensively? They can't. They couldn't keep pressure off of Kyle Trask towards the end of the season. They did light up uh, Alabama, almost almost beat them, but they did put up. They did have a lot of production there defensively. You bring back Todd Grantham, who his last appearance was a double nickel uh, against Oklahoma. It was a million and a half points against Alabama. It was. You still gave up a lot of points against Georgia, but luckily your offense was was humming at that point. I mean, you had some pretty shaky defensive performances. He was on the hot seat. He was on the chopping block, decided to keep him. What do you think of that decision right there? I, I was surprised by it, to be quite frank with you. I, I really thought that he there was no way he was going to be retained. You know, the the you know, the TV cameras caught a big blow up with them. I can't remember which game it was where they were going at it. And and the way that they gave up points, I thought there is no way he's going to be retained. But lo and behold, he will be standing on the sidelines in 2021. Must have a good buyout. That's a good well, point. Probably got a, a multi-year contract. I think you're really you're, you're probably right. But the big thing is they they were together for a couple of seasons, at Mississippi State, and he brought him over. And uh, you know they they they've done a good job probably up to last year. But the big thing there's not a lot to pick from. You know, with Charlie Strong landing, I know we'll get talk about that next next session. He's at Auburn, so basically uh, what what you can get is you know if you can fire a guy that's okay but you better replace him with a better better choice and better option and there's just limitations all around to get quality defensive coordinators to really come to the SEC because who wants to be in the SEC the defense coordinator they're all heading other places you know that's a big thing yeah no doubt so uh, one team that I'm expecting to be right on Florida's heels as we uh, as we move forward is the Missouri Tigers. And what I'm excited about is Eli Drinkwitz was able to get that team going in the right direction with a slow start early in the season. He was able to develop a freshman quarterback, Connor Basilic, and able to utilize these weapons that really kind of unheralded guys. Not, you know, not many guys pop off the page at you as far as star power goes, but they were extremely productive. They gave teams fits. They gave Georgia a run for a half, and then Georgia's depth just kind of took over. But they were ranked at one point in the top 25. Uh, but they, they got a baptism by fire starting off the season against Alabama. What are we looking for with Missouri? 
Well, you're right about Connor Bazelak. Uh, I, I got to see his first start was against Tennessee, and I got to see that game. And, uh, you know, he was a little shaky in the beginning, but as the game went on, he played really, really well. And you could really see that he had a lot of talent. And as the season went on, he, he was really, really impressive. Uh, that is obviously a great place to start. Uh, your team is a quarterback with a lot of experience uh, now with a year's experience, and a lot of talent. They're going to really, really miss Larry Roundtree. He was a big time running back, uh, number four rusher in the SEC last year. Uh, he was really good. He, he really the offense revolved around him, took a lot of pressure off of Basilak. Not going to be there this year, so they're going to have to find someone to take his place. And and you know what? There's a lot of experience coming back on this team. 24 of the 31 players who returned uh, played at least 200 snaps on offense and defense. So there's a lot of experience coming back for this Missouri team. But again, there another question for them is defense, guys. They allowed 32.3 points per game, so uh, that is a lot. That is absolutely a lot, and they got to figure out and, and get that going. So, Kurt, what, what do you see with this Missouri football team? Well, just looking at it, I think, you know, losing their ground carrier, the leading guy, he's, he's going to be an NFL football player, Roundtree. Uh, they'll have other guys in the stable, and with that freshman quarterback, and he getting to play another full year. I really liked his development all through the season. And uh, drink with, I mean, he can, he's, he's been successful and he knows how to build a program with less. And that's what he's going to have every year at Missouri. And, uh, you know, hopefully, he, you know, we'll get back into playing some non-conference so they can get some wins and get some uh, successful games under their belt and then be very competitive uh, throughout the conference. Because the conference, you know, you've got, you got other teams in the, in the East that are going to have brand new coaches. So he's got a, a year, a leg up on the those guys. So he's out in front of at least two staffs as Tennessee and Vanderbilt. So, you know, he's, he's etching on up the ladder and I'm glad we're talking about that program right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, their schedule, you know, their I guess their conference schedule, uh, they, they start out on the road at Kentucky, which we'll get to them here in a little bit. Um, but then, you know, they, they, on October 2nd, they, they play two non-conference games in between that. One of them is at Boston College. That's a very pesky game in and, in and of itself. Uh, but they play Tennessee at home, which we're going to talk about Tennessee here in a little bit. Then they're at home against A&M this year, which that's not an easy game. That's not an easy crossover. They get a week off. Then they're on the road at Vandy at Georgia. That's going to be – Georgia is going to be the, the game that's going to decide the East. And then I think uh, November 13th versus South Carolina, November 20th versus Florida at home, and then a game at Arkansas in Little Rock, I think is a good way to finish out the season. We don't know what Florida is going to look like towards the end of the year. South Carolina is in complete rebuild mode. They're going to be pesky, but they're also not going to have enough in the in the tank for uh, to uh, – to really make some noise this year, but they're they're going to do some things and, and set themselves up for uh, for success in the future. So pretty pretty easy slate to start the, the the conference schedule. So they'll be able to build a lot of momentum. Their non conference games: Central Michigan, SEMO, Boston College, and North Texas. Um, so I, I think they've got a very favorable schedule. They've got a lot of experience returning. This is a team that could really catch fire and a team that could really really 
do some damage. So uh, I'm excited to see that what this Missouri team can do. My hope as a Georgia fan that they finish second in the East, but I, I'm, I'm, I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't worried about them. So uh, I think Mizzou's going to do a lot of damage. Let's uh, let's move on down the charts. Let's talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. Okay, um, in the spring they've had they've had a bit of adversity at the wide receiver position. Uh, they lose George Pickens. They have a couple other guys banged up. They have another couple other guys that are recovering from being from being injured in this past 2020 season, uh, like Kearse Jackson, Dominic Blaylock. Uh, so you've got some guys kind of in flux. Uh, they've resorted to the uh, cross-training of wide receivers. And if you listen to my episode with Believe in Georgia Dogs that we just put out, uh, we talk about all of these spring storylines. But what I'm excited about with this group, I'm excited about the tight end play. I'm excited about the running backs, and I'm excited to see what these young freshmen can do. Uh, or they're not freshmen anymore, but the the, the newer receivers, the, the ones that were freshmen last year, uh, Marcus Rosemey St. Jack, uh, and you have Arian Smith. Luckily, Jermaine Burton's injury wasn't too serious, and then you also have Kyrus Jackson. So I, I think what you're going to see is they're going to try to recreate George Pickens' production through the aggregate of those pieces. So offensively, they're going to – I think they're going to be just as explosive, but in a different way. They're not going to have that one guy that that that, that it comes nut cutting time that they go to. Well, you're exactly right, Corey. I mean, I, I was going to say uh, you're exactly right. I mean, the wide receiver position has been decimated. You know, you talked about Pickens. That's a huge loss. Questionable whether he even returns for 2021. What do you, what are you hearing on that, Corey? I'm I'm hearing. November at the earliest, probably that would be eight okay. months. Um, yeah. If Georgia's yeah. in title contention, he's going to have a decision to make. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if we never saw George Pickens in a Georgia uniform again because you come back off of that, and he's good enough to play in the NFL. He's got enough tape. I would just prepare for the draft. Probably wouldn't be surprised. I'd be more surprised if he decided to come back. Truthfully, yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. You know, he's been injured and he's he's not going to want to risk that again. So he's like, well, if I'm going to get hurt, I'm going to get paid for it this time. But you mentioned other injuries during the spring: Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith, Justin Robinson, all dealing with ailments, all out, and and also Corey. They lost four wide receivers in the transfer portal last season, so they have really been hit at that position. But guys, hands down. Georgia is the favorite to win the East. When you got JT Daniels, who was exceptional uh, when he got in the starting lineups and the two best backs, arguably, in the country as a tandem and the best in the SEC by far is Amir White and James Cook. That is a tremendous start. Uh, You know, you can stand back there and hand the ball off the entire game and be fine. You don't have to throw the ball. So, you know, uh, they are loaded offensively as far as as the quarterback and the two wide receivers, two running backs. Kurt, what do you see on this offense? What what stands out to you? And I'm hearing Brock Bowers, the – Early enrollee freshman is standing out at tight end. Go ahead, Kurt. What, what do you yeah, well, What do you know? I think he gets back. I think he gets to the. Well, I just I I tell you what, when you have strong tight ends, there's a lot you can do with tight ends. You know that core as far as a play caller. You know you can balance defenses up. You can keep protection strong. You can run one on one routes. You can release those guys on, on flood routes. So. The tight ends, uh, that fits right into, uh, you know, coaches, 
uh, Coach Smart's pedigree. I mean, basically, if he has strong tight ends, it's like having strong linebackers and you're a good football team and running the ball. He won't mind at all to, to cut down that passing ratio to 20 or 25 attempts per game. The game will get sped up. He's got a great defense. He can close the field. Uh, so it's going to be – I think he just adjusted. I think he'll adjust uh, quite uh, quickly, and I think maybe make him stronger as makers outside. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, one thing to concern yourself about Georgia is the strength and conditioning, uh, the, the behind-the-scenes. That many players get injured, uh, and they went away from their strength coach that joined the Alabama staff. Uh, I mean, the Alabama staff, he came over, so there's some, there's some change up there in, in the Georgia. You know, they, they probably have to look within and, and try to figure out what's going on in the, in the strength and development, keeping guys. Because to be good, you've got to also have availability. And SEC is like the NFL. If you're not available and they have no kind of self-evaluate what's going on in the strength conditioning program, I would say. Yeah, I don't know exactly what the problem is with, with all these uh, injuries. Luckily, none of them are se- severe. Arian Smith injured his during the scr- injured his wrist during the scrimmage. And I think it was uh, he was diving for a ball and, and just kind of got caught up. So I think his was kind of a freak sort of contact injury. Uh, George Pickens with with the ACL uh, that's concerning, but you're not seeing a ton of that. You're you're seeing some guys that that are that are dealing with a little bit of fatigue, but I think a lot of it comes comes from the fact that you miss a whole cycle of strength and conditioning with with covid and these guys bodies are still in catch up mode you know you 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 come off a season where you didn't have much that's a good point. That's much a really to good prepare point. so they're still in catch up mode right whereas like their bodies are used to it on a normal cycle so i think this time next year they'll be kind of back to normal because they were able to restart that normal winter cycle to spring to summer you know back into fall that was disrupted, so that has ripple effect everywhere. Um, and and I don't think Scott Cochran, who, who's the guy you're referencing, I don't think he has any interest in getting back in strength and conditioning. He left Alabama to be an on-the-field coach, so he, he's working with the special teams units. I think he's happy doing that. I think that's his ultimate goal. So I don't know if they would look to him in that regard, but that's his ultimate goal. Um as far as play calling with those tight ends and with the with what they got, I think they're going to use a lot of play action. They'll be in a lot of 12 personnel because Darnell Washington is LeBron James out there. Looks like him, 6'8", 250, 260, can run, can jump, can operate like a – you know, he might be our version of Kyle Pitts. That's what I'm hoping. Um, that's a tall order, but that's what I'm hoping. Brock Bowers is somebody that's, that's dynamite. He's somebody that can play in line – split out, uh, probably play better in line than Darnell Washington. But Darnell Washington obviously is a huge target. So I, I think Todd Monken is going to be more multiple than we think. I, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to hover right around 30 pass attempts, a lot within the play-action game. You saw that uh, as the season unfolded with JT Daniels. There wasn't a whole lot of drop back and just shoot it downfield. Most of their shots came off of play-action, whether it was RPO or straight play-action, where you get the defense going sideways and you got guys crossing and things like that. So there's going to be a lot of interesting schemes uh, that that Todd Monken's going to open up now that he has the guy from day one in the spring to be able to not only feed off what he's learned already, 
but now take it to the next level. So I'm excited offensively to see what they're going to do. But defensively, the big question mark, obviously, and the NFL draft is going to decimate most of it, and we had a couple transfers too. The defensive back room got decimated. Hired a new coach. We got a lot of youth there, but we got a big-time transfer from West Virginia, Tyke Smith, coming in as a corner, nickel, safety kind of kind of jack of all trades that defensive back room though what I, what I'm what I'm hearing from spring practice is they're extremely competitive they're extremely aggressive and they are playing well they're answering the bell so I, I think this cornerback group this defensive backs group especially the corners I think they're going to be okay they're going to give up big plays we know that um, but you know is it concerning I don't know. Just let them go out and play. Let them go out and build confidence. This front seven is going to be able to make enough plays to be able to overcome the lack of experience in, in, in the secondary, especially Adam Anderson. Adam Anderson is quite literally the jack of all trades because he's playing outside linebacker and he's playing the star position, which is that uh, which is that force that force player to the field. So I'm excited about this Georgia defense. I think there's a lot, especially up front. Jordan Davis is he he'll be he'll be a top ten pick in, in next year's NFL draft to me and, and as a nose guard. So I'm excited about this Georgia defense. I think there's a lot they're going to be able to do. They they were fifth in the country in in, in blitzing, uh, just about every blitzing category you can get. They were they were top ten in the country and all of those blitzing statistics according to Pro Football Focus. I won't bore you with reading every single one of them, but just know they're blitz. They like to blitz and they're good at it. So defensively. What do you guys notice? What jumps out off the page about this Georgia defense? Well, I mean, excuse me. The recruiting that Kirby's done has been unparalleled at Georgia by any coach, to be quite frank. And it's and it shows up on defensively. They are extremely athletic uh, at every level of the defense and it's going to show up. It can continues to show up. They're going to lose guys, but they're going to have guys to replace them just like Alabama does. They're along the same lines. Their recruiting is showing up. Uh, I just see one guy after another getting replaced. And all of a sudden here's a guy who's a big time player. And you're like, where did this guy come from? And that is due to excellent recruiting that Kirby smart uh, has done since he's been at Georgia. It just continues to improve. Yeah, I, I was gonna. I'm going to ask. I, I was going to ask this uh, uh, to you, Corey, and of course, Kurt. Kurt can get in on this too. This to me is a critical year for Kirby Smart. This is his sixth season at Georgia, and the red elephant in the room lost its starting quarterback, lost its star running back, and its two best receivers. So on paper. You got JT Daniels, Zamir White, and James Cook. On paper, you look at Alabama, and they can't match that. I think this is a huge year for Georgia. And I think if he can't get by Alabama this year, I think they're really going to start barking. They're intended. They they bark all the time, so I, I don't know what's legitimate and what's <laughs> Barking not. Barking more, louder. How's that? <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess increase the volume or increase the frequency. I don't, I don't know. It's it's like every, every time there's a negative play, they're they're looking to fire him. So I don't I don't know what's real or what's. I mean, not. what do you think about that, Corey? Do you think this is a big year for him? It, it is a big year. I, I think if if there's a, if there's ever a year that you're going to get by Nick Saban when he's still checked in and they're still loaded, this is the year to do it. 
like in a couple of years, Nick Saban's going to be checked out halfway through the season. They're probably going they're, they're probably not going to be as loaded in a couple of seasons. So it's not going to be the same. They, they may not even make the SEC championship in a couple of seasons. I think this is the year to do it because Alabama's still loaded enough to be able to win the West without a whole lot of issue. And, and Georgia is going to run away with the East this year. So it's going to set up that matchup and, and they have to be able to do it. JT Daniels is I think if JT Daniels was the quarterback, if he was healthy enough in that first matchup against Alabama, they would have won that game because they outplayed him in the first half. And so, but the second half rolled around, then Alabama figured some things out and then they were able to take some shots and and take advantage of Georgia not being able to do anything uh, offensively anymore. I don't think that's going to be the case. It's a big year for Kirby. Yes. Um, Am I ready to fire him if he doesn't win? No, I, I'm not, but I, I think you will see some things, some noise start to increase. I think you will see the heat turn up just a little bit uh, from from the powers to be, but I think Josh Brooks is a pretty patient guy. I think Josh Brooks knows the vision and believes in the vision that Kirby Smart is bringing. Josh Brooks, the new AD. So, Kurt, do you agree, disagree? What, what, what are you, where are you at on that? Well, I, I think the guy has uh, just a stable full of players and, and building on what Craig Ladd's talking about, recruiting. He's knocking them out of the park. Does he need to win a national championship pretty soon? I'd say yes, because uh, you want to be compared. Uh, he wants to be compared, and so do the Georgia Bulldogs, to the Alabama Crimson Tide. And so that that's the measuring stick, you know. So, yes, but but I don't see him getting fired. I don't see rumblings. I just see, hey, let's what do we got to do next, you know, because they finally built a – uh, update them a little bit. Update them a little bit, Corey, on the facilities. They were one of the last teams to get the – indoor facility and get all that and they were you, got it, you know right so it's time now so yeah not now yes, but, that, yeah. but they're going they've got everything they're situated they're going to play they're going to be in a playing game they're going to be in the national championship they're going to they're going to be around the next five years i think they're the program they're going to take the baton from alabama and run the sc because they're, they're like that. Yeah, they're knocking it out in recruiting. I mean, exactly. they got number one, number one quarterbacks, number one linebackers, linemen. I mean, he's doing it. And uh, you know, talk about Alabama. Um, you know that that's who you measured against. So, but I don't see him any any, any squabbling about him getting fired or nothing like that. They're just going to be, man, we want to win the championship. So those are going to be good problems to have. Yeah, they're just. And a lot of it is just because the fatigue of not winning one since 1980 and being so close in 2017. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the facilities are there. I think they've got all the pieces in place. Now let's just go do it. So, uh, speaking of which, speaking of teams that uh, have facilities in place and uh, looking to build pieces, hopefully making the right hire um, at the head coaching position, let's look at the Tennessee Vols. Um, hearing that the scrimmage went well for the quarterback position. Uh, it was relatively error-free. I guess as error-free as you can you can make it uh, with Harrison Bailey, Brian Maurer, and Hendon Hooker. Uh, first-year first coach Josh Heupel has a lot to prove for this Tennessee Vols team, Craig. I, I think there's a lot going on there. Did they lose too much to be viable this year? Yes. Uh, there are positions that they are extremely thin in, especially linebacker, uh, 2020, Crouch, 
both uh, in the transfer portal. Uh, they've had Jeremy Banks is injured right now. He's out. Uh, you've had Aaron Beasley, who's been suspended indefinitely. Also, Martavius French, who was suspended indefinitely. Their best recruit coming in, the Willis kid from Maryland, he's suspended indefinitely. So it is very thin at linebacker right now. Uh, also, you know, inexperienced at running back, not only at quarterback, but at running back, you lose your top two players there. And Ty Chandler, who transferred to North Carolina, and then Eric Gray, who transferred to Oklahoma. So there's a there are positions where they are extremely weak. But I will say this, the strength of this Tennessee team will be on the offensive line and the defensive line. They have good numbers there. Even though the offensive line lost Trey Smith, there are still a lot of returning players there. You have the Mays brothers, for example. A lot of returning players, and that defensive line has a lot of returning players. So there is some depth there and some players there. There's some some depth back in the defensive backfield. But, you know, it's just to expect Tennessee – for one, to go to a bowl game next year, if if Heupel takes him to a bowl game next year, he sh- he deserves to be national coach of the year. It's I'm I'm just telling you that because the numbers are thin uh, due to transfer, due to whatever. Uh, you know, I think as a Tennessee fan, you strive to be as close to 500 as possible. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to have there. I, I I like that they're going to be going to that it's this up tempo offense, you know. But again, these guys uh, are going to be in a different ball game. It's a different ball game uh, in the SEC uh, against the defenses, uh, the talent you're going to see every week. Uh, it, it's just going to take time. It's going to take recruiting cycles to get there, and it's not going to be in this recruiting cycle because they're behind. You know, a lot of they're they're recruiting hard for twenty three right now because those are the guys that they're going to be really after. You're woefully behind for this next recruiting class. So, uh, you know, Tennessee fans have to be. You need to cool your engines and just expect and and slowly maneuver your way to the top, and hopefully you get there. Yeah. So you got. Harrison Bailey, who is a highly heralded quarterback coming in. You got Hendon Hooker, the transfer, and then Brian Maurer, who I think after Eric Stokes took a soul, he hadn't he hadn't been the same since. So, Kurt, what do you do with that quarterback position? How do you manage – you have a good offensive line. You have some depth there. How do you manage – the rest of the positions on the offense and get them going in the right direction. What, you know, does this up tempo offense give them a chance to kind of be the no name offense? I think it will. I think the big thing that's going to happen is you've got a guy, Josh Heifel, that will attract um, good sequences of plays. He's got the experience. He brought most of his offensive staff with him. He added some defensive staff members from other staffs, but uh, he's going to do a good job. They're going to move the ball. They're going to have uh, excitement going on. Uh, you know, I, I just think he's going to do a great job. I think it was a really good hire. I think it was needed. It will take some time to replenish those uh, positions. Uh, maybe they can get in the portal and get a second or third level running back. They need a second, third level receiver. But let's face it, uh, Tennessee got caught and they turned themselves in. And they're going to be paying the piper for that. And we don't know when that's going to be handed down. But, uh, you know, they're going to suffer this year. Uh, 
from player production and also player participation. They're not going to have a full roster, but I really do like Heupel. I do like the way he is coaching them up. And I think he'll he'll turn the corner a little quicker than a lot of people are giving him time or are really frustrated with the whole situation. But give him a little bit of time. I think he's going to do a great job uh, with the quarterback position and, uh, and and getting some players in there because he he can coach them up and, and he's and he's won with less. When you win with less, I mean, he was at Missouri and he won there as offensive coordinator and then uh, he got to UCF and won there. So uh, the guy can coach him up. So we'll see how he'll do with the. Team. Tennessee balls. And I think they'll give him time. Yeah, I, yeah, no, they'll definitely give him time. I, I, I think they don't have a choice there. But I, I think it's, I think I'm excited about Josh Heupel. I, I liked him at UCF. He's walking into a terrible situation, so the expectations have got to be tempered. They're going to finish dead last in the in the in the East. So Tennessee fans have got to, you know, I'd be surprised if they didn't. They've got to be ready for that, and. That's just it is what it is. When when you when you dive on your own sword, that it is what it is. And so you lose that many pieces, you lose your top two performers uh, at skill positions. You know you got you know a receiver going to the draft. You've got two running backs splitting, uh, going to better situations, I guess, as they deem Oklahoma at North Carolina. It's going to be a tough go. Um, but I think Josh Heupel is going to figure out a way to be productive, a way to be competitive. So I don't think they're going to get blown out in every game, but I don't think they're going to win close. I don't think they're going to win a lot of close games because they just don't have the pieces. It's going to be kind of like what Matt Rule was dealing with for the Carolina Panthers. If I want to give like an NFL type example, he was zero and eight with uh, when he had a chance to win the game late, just because they had no depth. That you lose Christian McCaffrey, you have you're limited at quarterback. You have limited pieces around you. They're just they're just not good enough, and they can't finish those games. Tennessee's going to be in the same boat, but you're going to see a team that plays hard. They're going to play competitively, and you're going to see a coach that's not outmatched. They're just outmanned each week. So I'm excited to see what Tennessee's going to bring to the table. I don't think it's going to be much this year. Probably not going to be much next year. But I think in in uh, in that third season, you're going to see vast improvement. They're going to be a contender in the East moving forward. It's going to be a Georgia and Tennessee division uh, for quite some time after that. But right now, it's going to be Georgia and then everybody else trying to play catch-up. So um, that being said, let's move on down the road. Um, let's stay in the state of Tennessee. We're going to look at the Vanderbilt Commodores. Uh, they, uh, they've got a lot of positive momentum there in on West End, Clark Lee joins the joins the club. Made some great hires on his staff, not only off the field but on the field as well. Uh, was able to keep one of their uh, spiritual leaders, I guess, one of their emotional leaders, Javon Hay, uh, as a defensive line coach. May, he's making all the right moves right now. Uh, practice seems to be a little bit more uh, up tempo. There seems to be a little bit more. Uh, pace, a little more confidence, a little more giddy up in, in practice, but I think Clark Lee is doing all the right things. The athletic department is finally, and I think this might have been a Derek Mason thing now, uh, the more I think about it, but they're finally willing to contribute financially. They have that uh, they have that $300 million fund that they're going to do all these renovations to uh, athletic facilities, uh, starting with football and basketball, uh, to be able to make them viable in the league. So I'm excited about Vanderbilt. 
I don't know what the heck they're going to bring to the table as far as talent goes, but you have Kenny Seals as your as your quarterback. You got some some other pieces around him. Not sure what they're going to bring. Not sure that it matters, but you're going to see a different brand of football on West End, and they're going to be a team that's going to be extremely pesky. They're going to win a game they shouldn't. They're not going to win many, but they're going to win one conference game that they shouldn't, and then they're probably going to beat like Kentucky or somebody like that too. So I, I think Vanderbilt's on the up and up, Kurt. What do you think? I, I, I really like that hire as well. Both in-state hires of Tennessee and then Vanderbilt. Uh, Clark Lee is a alumnus guy. I think he's doing a great job. I've been watching a lot on uh, FaceTime. Uh, the guys are, are really uh, – they look like they're really working on the fundamentals. And uh, and they're looking at some tight ends too. They're, look, they're going to go to some – you know, that's the best thing. Vandy, uh, Boston College, Notre Dame – you know, you're probably not going to get the the five star uh, wide receivers, but you could probably get a lot of three and four star tight ends, bigger running backs, that type of thing. So, I think that's what they're going to try to hang their hat on because not a lot of people are going after those guys. So, I think I think Clark Lee uh, has a great opportunity to convert a lot of uh, recruits. He's already got a lot of committed. He's got three tight ends already committed. I think I think the word is he's going to try to sign six. So they're going to be a tight end dominated team and plus make some uh, outside. They're going to be like the Patriots. Yeah, just uh, you look at Notre Dame. That's what Notre Dame has been doing. They get all the transfers, all the bigger guys that are wide receiver types that are just maybe a step slower, but um, are matchup nightmares for the little, for some of the corners and the, you don't have bigger safety. So, so I think, I think it'll be good. I, I like to have some type of, some type of system, some type of philosophy. That's why I like Josh Heupel. That's why I like Clark Lee. You know what direction they're going to go because those programs they just can't roll out the carpet and say, "Hey, here we go." We, you know, we're going we're going to play football in Georgia. You can do that. Florida, you can do that. Alabama, you can do that. Auburn, you can do that. You can't do that in Missouri, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, South Carolina. You just can't do it. And they got to have an identity and know what they're going to go after. And everybody on the street, the curb, has got to know what they're trying to do. That's why I really like Tennessee. I really like Vanderbilt. I see both of those teams on the rise uh, because their fan bases are going to learn what they're what they're all about offensively. And their defense has got to play complimentary football. And their kicking game has got to play well. So, Clark Lee, kudos to him. He's uh, having a great spring. Uh, there were some things he did to start the spring off that I really liked. He uh, just had him go out in black and white shirts. And then let's earn putting the Vanderbilt on there. Then let's earn putting your last name on it. And let's give you, let's earn your number, you know. Uh, a lot of entitlement this 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 day and time. And, uh, you know, and, and he's trying to develop an environment, a culture, if you will, of guys that are going to play hard and play together. And uh, I'm proud of him. I see the same thing up at the Hill at Josh Heupel. I see he's no-nonsense guy, you know, putting guys, setting guys down and uh, teaching them life lessons. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two programs do uh, and uh, how they develop. But there's going to be some non-conference games. The, the pattern for both of those teams and for Vanderbilt in particular is they've got to win your non-conference games. And the coaching staff has to be open open-minded it enough to 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 do things uh to go for it on fourth down to uh, fake a field goal to fake a punt to not punt to not go 
to go forward. You know, uh, we got to do a lot of things like that. And that's what James Franklin did. And then hope and hope that maybe Georgia has some injuries, knock on some wood. And that's what happened during his tenure. Georgia had injuries and Florida had injuries. And all of a sudden, you know, you win a game or two and you guys believe in what they're doing. So it's exciting times at, down there. On, at, Kurt, what stands out to you? Uh, just really the, the overall competitiveness that he's trying to develop, uh, you know, in practices, uh, able to see Facebook Live, uh, uh, Martin Simmons and Earl uh, Bennett are on Facebook Live. I, I get a notice and able to watch some of the individual play uh, at, each posi- at each position has been really fun to see their development and, the, and to see the coaching and Mike, they've been miking up the, the players. Uh, and I, I don't want to dig on Derek Mason, but we didn't have any of that. James Franklin, he, I think he invented all that. <laughs> that guy invented communication, yeah. internet, and wired up Mike and the player. I mean, he, he was like a rock star in the, you know, he's fell on a little hard times at Penn State. Yeah, he was. But man, he was so far ahead. He was, he was, he was out kicking his coverage every day. And I'm really proud of what they're doing at Vanderbilt with Martin Simmons and, and Earl Bennett. Um, really miking things up and the coaches up and teaching a little drill here or there and giving that exposure to all the coaches and the alumni. Uh, bringing you in, man. It, 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 it's a great time to bring you in and see what's happening, you know, and see see how they're developing the players. So it's going to be fun. Craig, what, what stands out to you? What, what do you notice for, for Vanderbilt? What, what's happening? Well, I also like the hire of Lee. He, he's a local guy. He knows the landscape. Uh, he has the connections around town, which I think is imperative because I think Vanderbilt has – been woefully behind in recruiting the Middle Tennessee area, and I think that's going to change, and already has changed. Uh, they they received a commitment from uh, Langston Patterson, uh, a linebacker from CPA whose brother plays at Clemson, which is a really good pickup for Vanderbilt. So we're already seeing that uh, happen, uh, and I think – as I said, Lee will open up a lot of doors for a lot of local kids to come that have been going to other places and have had ex- success. Uh, and, you know, we've all talked about why we didn't understand why they didn't recruit some of the guys. I think that changes here. But looking at this year, uh, you know, he's got he's got a quarterback that I really like that I think is going to be really good in Ken Seals. You know, uh, considering I thought he had a really good year, I mean, they have to get some playmakers around him. They averaged a little over 14 points a game last season. You're just not going to win. Yeah, exactly. You're just not going to win games that way. It's proven they were 0-9 last year. And then, you know, you average only 3.01 yards per rush. Got to have a running game to take the pressure off of him. So that's imperative that they get some playmakers around Seals in order to take the pressure off of him. And then defensively, you know, they allowed 73.4% of their passes to be completed. That is incredible. No other team, the FBS, gave up 70% uh, completion. So they have a lot of work to do there. With that, 
I think he made some great hires for his staff. And like I said, I think he's going to coach these guys up. I really do. I like him. I've liked what I've heard from him. And uh, I I think this is the right direction for Vanderbilt. The key is going to be to this, guys. Are they going to allow, and I'll say the administration, is the administration going to allow him to recruit kids that James Franklin was able to get into Vanderbilt? Are they going to allow him to do that? They did not allow Derek Mason to do that. They kind of tightened down on him. Will they allow him to recruit kids that James Franklin was able to get into school? That's going to be a huge key to this. I think I think they will. I, I think that he was able to spearhead all that facility stuff. So I think you're going to – I think he's going to get the same in recruiting. I, I think that now that, you know, Candace Lee got, you know, and, and that, that whole, uh, I guess, board of trustees or whoever's in power over there at Vanderbilt, I think they finally got their guy. They finally got a Vanderbilt guy who's fired up and has had success at other places – and they're going to give him a little bit more leeway. It was like when Kirby came in uh, for Mark Richt. Mark Richt was hamstrung by a lot of stuff, a lot of administrative stuff when they tra- when they transferred from uh, Damon. Uh, I forget his last name now. Um, Damon Evans to uh, Greg McGarity at at the athletic director. Greg McGarity did not hire Mark Richt, so he was like, okay, I'm going to try to get this guy to quit or I'm going to make it difficult. And then when he finally fired him, Kirby Smart comes in. It's like Kirby Smart could ask for anything he wanted to and, and he would get it, including a uh, indoor practice facility uh, at that time. So I think the same is true for for Clark Lee. But um, guys, to to not be uh, going too, too long, we still got a couple teams left to to talk about. So I think for, for Vanderbilt, they just got to find an identity and uh, and they, they just got to figure out uh, and, and, and play to that brand. They've got to just keep recruiting, keep pounding, keep building on that positive momentum. And I think you'll see a very much improved Commodore team again, like Tennessee, probably not going to win many games, but they're going to be competitive. Another team that's going to be like that, this is the South Carolina Gamecocks. I'm excited. Uh, I was not excited about the hire. I thought it was kind of a head scratcher, um, especially when Auburn started raiding his staff. Um, but I think he stabilized some things, and I think he's got some positive momentum going in the spring. And that's uh, Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks. I think this is a theme within within uh, the SEC East. They're going to be tight end heavy as well. They're going to be utilizing that. They're going to be. Um, Nick Muse is uh, is the first on that list. He was the team's returning pass catcher. He had 30 catches for 425 and a touchdown. So I don't know whether to laugh or cry, but um, not a whole lot coming back, not a whole lot on this offense to begin with. But I, I think you're going to find that Shane Beamer is going to build an identity around the tight ends and the run game, and they're just going to expand from there. Um, you have, uh, you know, Kevion Mullins, you have Jaheim Bell as well. Uh, some guys, EJ Jenkins, 6'7", 242. Um, he's going to be kind of every, – everybody's trying to find that Kyle Pitts type, and EJ Jenkins is going to be their attempt at that. Also, uh, they got a big wide receiver transfer, Amarion Brown from Georgia Tech. Uh, he's coming in. He's making some noise on the outside, so they're going to be pretty good. Are they going to be great? No. They're going to be middle of the pack, I think. They're, they're, they've got enough – uh, you also got Dakarian Joiner um, is as well at wide receiver. So some things 
offensively some pieces that you can build around for South Carolina. So what do we make of this Carolina team? What are we, what are we looking for? Well, I, I think one of the things that's going to be happening is uh, with South Carolina, as we mentioned, their staff, uh, you know, picking up their new offensive coordinator that had a chance to work with uh, Joe Brady over there in Carolina. And uh, I, th- I think he's going to bring some good little concepts of uh, throwing the football and also uh, doing some some little wrinkles that will be really effective. But, you know, they're, they're pleaded in their athletic ability. Uh, the quarterback position, uh, you know, I, I think they've had another transfer portal. Uh, the Helensky guy, the, I think he's left them, but they're 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 going to be a they're going to they're going to build up. I think people are going to be great patiently there. That is a tremendous fan base, and they they wanting to uh, really build something and get. Now the one thing I keep in mind, he was there when they really got it rocking and rolling as assistant coach, and uh, when he got the job. All those guys started rallying back up. So they've got the facilities now, and they've got the groundswell of inside movement on alignment with former players and former alumni and the fan base. So, uh, you know, he can be a guy that, that they upset a, a game or two and that they can, they can make some noise. Um, you know, with his dad, the way he coached them up for years and years, uh, you know, some of that's going to trickle into his program. You know, you may see them becoming a little more stronger in the special teams area. Maybe they come with a niche of they're going to block punts, block kicks, that type of thing. You know, it's just a lot of wide open stuff for, for them to jump in there. There's a lot of opening camp. The canvas is, is basically a, a blank for South Carolina football. So he'll be able to put his uh, signature on that and, uh, and I think he will be able to. I, I was disappointed that his line and Bobo, uh, Will Friend and Bobo left. But hey, you know, uh, coaches coaches go where they they want to go, you know. And so, uh, but he was able to pick up a Joe a Brady disciple. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. I'm looking forward to watching him play as well. Well, Luke Doty comes back. Uh, he, he started at the end of uh, last season, and as Cole, as uh, uh, Kurt mentioned, Halinski uh, uh, transferred to uh, Northwestern, so they're a little depleted at at quarterback. Uh, they're going to lean heavily on that running game. Kevin Harris uh, had a really really good year last year for the Gamecocks. Uh, averaged 113 yards per game, also 6.1 yards per carry. And then they also have Marshawn Lloyd, who was a highly recruited running back who did not play last year due to injury. He's coming back. Uh, South Carolina really likes their their run game. And like I said, they're going to really lean on that early uh, to take the pressure off uh, the quarterback and then also uh, clock control by running the football. So I think that's going to be key early on from them uh, to be able to run the ball and control that clock, uh, keep the defense off, and just keep things limited until they finally develop the rest of the team uh, and other weapons. Absolutely. Well, um, 
South Carolina, again, going to be an interesting ball club, but they have a, a Kurt said it best, they have a blank, blank canvas. So, uh, rapid, let's rapid fire this one. Kentucky made some, you know, had a 1905 offense uh, last year, but I think they've went out, uh, made some good hires at, at the assistant spots, especially on offense. Uh, they they went into the they went and plucked a few branches from the Sean McVay tree, and and brought them over to the Bluegrass State. And I think you're going to see Kentucky. I don't know. Every year it's Kentucky. Oh, this is Kentucky's year, and then they lose about three or four ball games, and you're like, okay, maybe it wasn't Kentucky's year. Every single year, I'm not buying into that. I think they're going to be middle of the pack. Uh, they're probably going to be middle to bottom of the pack. They're going to struggle to beat Tennessee and, and Vandy. Uh, I think they're going to struggle to beat South Carolina. I think you're going to have a log jam for that fourth position in the East, which is going to be actually an important position uh, for uh, for the future because Florida's not real stable uh, at the top of the East. Georgia's definitely uh, the powerhouse, but you're going to have a lot of teams that are going to fight for relevance in the SEC East. Kentucky's going to be one of them. I just don't think they're quite as good or quite as talented now as South Carolina. So I, I think they're kind of that mid to low team that's going to get surpassed before too long uh, by Vandy and Tennessee in, in a couple of years. So what what do you guys, I'll start with you, Craig, rapid fire. What do you notice about Kentucky? What what what's what's going on with the Wildcats? Well, I'm a little higher on them than you are, and and honestly, uh, if I if you stuck a gun to my head right now, I would pick them second behind Georgia uh, in the SEC East, and I think you're going to see more of that uh, and those preseason prognosticating. Uh, prognosticators picking Kentucky second. Uh, you know, they got Bo Allen and Joey Gatewood coming back quarterback. Uh, wide receiver Josh Ali had a great year last year, uh, catching 53 passes. And a guy that I really love at running back is Chris Rodriguez. Hard-nosed, really underrated running back that I really liked last year. So I think they're going to be a, a good football team and in an East that is down. You got Georgia up here and and then everybody else is way down here at the bottom. Everybody else here, it's down to the bottom. I think they are the better team of all those other, and I think they'll finish second. Interesting, Kurt. Do you agree with that? Kurt, Kentucky, what do you see with the Wildcats? Well, I, I tell you what I what I'm seeing with the Kentucky Wildcats is a new offensive coordinator from Sean McVay's staff, the LA Rams. Uh, I think I think that is huge. I think that was a great hire. The guy worked with the quarterbacks. I think he'll be able to bring an offense into Kentucky that they just didn't have it last year. I mean, they didn't know how to to move guys around, to spread the ball around, and they were so limited in the coaching on the offensive side. That he has really stepped his game up on that hire. Uh, the young man will do a great, great job as offensive coordinator at Kentucky. Uh, I think he's coming off of that, you know, that Shanahan tree and McVay and, and Bruden. So I think it's going to be a great hire for, for Kentucky. I see them uh, really making some uh, progress offensively. Um, and they've always had, you know, they're in that area where they can go in Ohio and they can go northern just a little bit and get the three and the two stars 
and develop them and become four or five in, in NFL players. So he's got a, a formula for success, Mark Stoops. And with hiring the offensive guy, I think he's going to be – I agree with Craig. I think they're going to be a guy – they're going to be a team that has an identity, proven commodity, developing their players, and they're going to win some games. Uh, they've got to stay healthy. Uh, they got two quarterbacks that we both – I think we all like both of the guys. You know, Gatewood was a top – Top guy out of Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, I think Allen, Allen as well, and uh, the pedigree he's got. So it's going to be. I think they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. I really do. Uh, with offensive, uh, if you can do things offensively, and you got imagination as an offensive play caller, and you have a defensive head coach, it's a pretty good formula for success. So I look for I look for Kentucky stepping up. I really do. All right. Well, um, I was waiting for that announcement to get done, but um, yeah, I, I think Kentucky's going to be, you know, I, I don't know. They, they could go one direction or the other. I, I don't have much faith in them. They've let me down in the past. I've, I've tutored their horn the last couple of seasons. Uh, they've let me down. So I guess it's PTSD. I don't know. Uh, I hope they're good. <laughs> That'd be great for the conference if they were. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to be as good as Missouri. I think Missouri's going to finish second, but guys, we can discuss that. We can discuss our exact predictions for the SECE standings later this summer when when we uh, when we're approaching the fall season. But that's going to do it for us today. It was a great welcome back episode for the Coaching Chatter podcast, brought to you by Soar Athletic Training, BetOnline.ag, and the hometown team of Keller Williams Realty, in Wilson County. The hometown team, six one five dot com. My man Kenny Salas. So. Uh, for that, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting spring as we go. We're going to take a look at the SEC West on our next episode, and then we're going to get geared up for the NFL draft. We're going to see what some of these franchises that hired new coaches in the NFL. We're going to see how they did in the draft. We're going to we're going to recap how they did also in free agency. If they lost a lot, gained a lot, or didn't really change at all, we'll take a look at all of that. We're going to turn pro here in a couple of weeks and uh, and, and and look at the NFL because. You know, what else you're going to look at, right? So uh, for Craig Ladd and Kurt Page, I'm Corey Burton. This is the Coaching Chatter Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. You can find me at Coach Burton 36, at D Craig Ladd, and at Kurt Page 629 on Twitter. Um, you can find at Soar Athletic Training as well. So for that, uh, have a great weekend. We'll see you back here next week on the Coaching Chatter Podcast. See you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.